It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. God, we love you so much, and the fruit of our lips, the lifting of our hands, God, the, the joy in our soul and hearts express to you, God, how much we are grateful, thankful, and unbelievably humble that you love us. Greater love has no man experienced than this, that you would lay down your life for us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do what you do, would you comfort us, would you lead us, would you guide us, would you convict us, would you teach us that all praise and all honor and glory would not go to any person or any place, but it would go to you, our Lord and our Savior. God, we pray specifically for someone that's listening now that is far from you for whatever the reason. We ask that you would draw them closer. And we take this moment to pray and pause for those, God, who are in the midst of this war. Those in the midst of bloodshed in Israel and Palestine. And God, with all of the politics and all of the sides and all of the perspectives, there's a mama who's lost her baby. There's a son who's lost his mother and there are people that are grieving right now. These things are bigger than us. And so we pray for the wisdom of our leaders. We pray, God, for the wisdom of heads of state. We pray, God, that you would even supernaturally intervene in some way that may stay the hand of terrorists. And we just pray for the peace of the Middle East. And for peace at home. And it's in the name of the Prince of Peace that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give our Lord Jesus a mighty praise? He's so awesome. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise that's worthy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am so full. I am so full today because, again, it is, it is never something that we take lightly when people decide to put on Christ by baptism and to go public in the way in which these candidates today have done and so for that we're just so grateful and for all of you that are visiting with us we're thankful that you're with us and we pray that something you experience you feel um, prayerfully something that you might even hear might draw you closer to Jesus and maybe let you be encouraged in the journey you all I do pray that in the midst of this unbelievable um, un unheaval and upheaval in the Middle East that we're very careful about quickly making statements Whichever side of the, um, the position you may be on, whether you're seeing Israel's anger and saying, okay, you know what, they, they don't have any other choice, or whether you're saying, wait a minute, this people group have been oppressed for years, and whatever the angle is, you all, we've got to be very careful, especially as you go on social media. Be mindful that there are people that are on both sides of this issue, and our job is to pray and to ask God to give wisdom and to give his peace as only he can do. Um, so we pray for the Middle East. You all, I, I have been endeavoring all year to lead us as a congregation and those that are uh, a part of us virtually and friends into a conversation around the Word of God and whether or not the Bible is something that can be trusted. You say, well, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a churchgoer. I'm in church. I, I, I assume that everybody believes that the Bible can be trusted. Not true. Believe it or not, you all, there are many young people and many adults, but particularly our younger generations that are going through a, uh, a, a season or a mindset of a term called deconstruction. And that means that they're looking back at the United States and they're looking at its formation and they're deconstructing things out of our history that they feel are heinous, bad, wrong. 
and not always knowing what to construct, but definitely deconstructing ideas, deconstructing things that have been held and adhered to for many years. And so even the Word of God, the Bible, by many people have, has been deconstructed. When people look at it and say the Bible is a book about men, and so it's full of patriarchy and misogyny. And as a result, I don't need to believe it because how could I serve a God that would be against women? There are people that believe that the Bible is uh, pro-slavery because there's no scripture verse, and you can't find it, that says that God is against slavery, not verse by verse. And so you are, we endeavor, uh, and, and how do we come up with the canon of scriptures? We look at different versions of the Bible, or we look at different even uh, Christian expressions. The Catholic Church has the Apocrypha, which has this whole other set of books of the Bible that Protestants don't have. Who decided which books are in the Bible that we read? We went through all of those messages. I encourage those of you that were not able to listen to those messages to go back online and listen. Because we gave a detailed explanation as to why we, as this church, believe that we can, with wholehearted confidence, stand on the Word of God. Now, why is that important? Because our worldview, our opinion about what is God's will, our opinion about what is right and wrong, either it will stem from the Word of God or stem from something else. Let me say that again. If we do not have a biblical foundation of what we believe uh, God says is right, what God says is wrong, what God says is good, what God says is bad. If we feel like, well, the word of God is not something we can trust, therefore, therefore guess what? I can operate in my own truth. How many of y'all have heard that before? You know, I'm living in my own truth. Well, if people are living in their own truth and there are multiple truths, then there's no such thing as a truth. And if Jesus says he is the way and the truth, and that's not the truth that I believe, then that's your truth, but not my truth. And the sad thing is that many Christians, many Christ followers, many church attenders unwillingly and unwittingly are adhering to these theories and these ideas that the Bible can't be trusted and the word of God can't be trusted. But I want to just say to you all that this church believes that the word of God is the will of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And we believe that everything that pertains to life and godliness flows from the scripture. Amen. I'm not going to depend on what the government says is right. I'm not going to depend on what some social media influencer is saying is right. I'm not going to depend on what the current uh, trends or fads are about what is right. I'm going to hinge and hold my faith on what the word of the living God says is right and wrong. And that is how we are to look at life and look at the world. And so we talked about then how the scriptures give us uh, answers. To, the, to some of the issues that we face. And so we talked about patriarchy. We talked about misogyny. We talked about slavery. We talked about uh, those who uh, adhere to other expressions of faith and why we as Christians believe what we believe. The Bible tells us that we, are, we should be able to give a defense or to give a reason for our hope. That means as a Christian, if someone comes to you who is not a Christian and asks you, how could you be a Christian? How could you follow a Bible like that? How could you follow a Jesus that says that? How could you follow a God that would say that? You should be able to give a biblical reason or a biblical response as to why you believe what you believe. The church cannot be a place where you come and just shout and listen and go home and are not transformed and are not informed. Let me say that again. You cannot come to church week after week and shout and praise and do all of that and then get inspiration and then not be transformed. And you cannot get inspiration and not be informed. And so today, I, I, I transition as we talk about getting an understanding. So um, uh, you all know that I love to talk with people that are what I call the other. <laughs> that means people that are different from me. They don't vote the way I vote, don't look the way I look, don't live in my zip code, don't have my economic or my academic background because I believe if God calls us to love our neighbor, it, it, sometimes we got to find neighbors that don't look like us and don't vote like us and don't act like us. And if the, the kingdom of heaven will be every nation and every tribe and every kindred and every tongue, guess what? And, and your mansion is next to somebody else's mansion, guess what? Your crib going to be next to somebody's crib that don't look like you. 
Amen. And if that's going to be how heaven is for eternity, we might as well get a, a sneak preview of coming attractions right here in the local church. The local church should reflect the diversity of heaven. The local church should reflect the complexity of heaven, which is going to be every tribe and every tongue and every kind of person worshiping around the throne of God together. And how does that happen? It happens with us not being intimidated or afraid of difference of someone that is different from us and so you all I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the series of messages that I'm gonna be doing in the beginning of the year the interviews that I'm getting ready to have with some people that some people are gonna think I'm trying to be viral and trying to have a viral moment on TikTok or a viral moment on social media I'm not doing it for viral moments but I want to interview some people that I would never and that I know you would never talk to one person you all is a pro-white person who believes that white people are the only people that they should be around. I cannot wait to be, meet with that person. You know why? Because there's some black people that only want to be around black people. Don't look at me that way. Some of y'all just be like, I got to find me some black people. I know I, I, I enjoy being out here, but where the black people at? Right? And you don't feel racist about that. But what about the white people that say, I want to find where the white people at? Ah, I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but listen, y'all, we cannot be fishers of people. We cannot be fishers of men and not understand the people that we're trying to fish for. We've got to know them to reach them. Amen. So before we get to that, the Lord kind of hijacked my, my plans because I was getting ready to do that for the latter part of this, this year, for the, this month and, and, and next month. But the Lord told me, uh, as we talk about getting an understanding, he said, before people can really fully understand the other, I wonder, do they really understand me? Do they really understand me? And so you all, I'm excited today to talk about uh, something that I think will be helpful for us. So uh, I want you to hear the word of the Lord uh, today. I want to talk about getting an understanding and particularly focusing on the subject of uh, God's omnipotence. Uh, you all, there are many characteristics of God. There are many things about God that we don't understand. There are many things about God that we don't know. There are many things about God that we are uncertain of. But the joy is God reveals himself in his word. So today, you all, I'm speaking from the subject, son, stand still. Deal. Some of y'all uh, who've been members of our church, I preached this many, many years ago, but it's a scripture in the Bible that I'm going to share with you today that I pray will actually blow your mind and stretch your faith that you would believe God again. But I want to talk about God's attributes. You all, God is like a multifaceted diamond. Uh, diamonds um, worth and diamonds beauty uh, are kind of uh, tied into its facets. That if you look at a diamond one way, you'll see one thing. If you look at it another way, you'll see another thing. If you look at it another way, you'll see another thing. Because it is what? Multi-faceted. And the nature of God is so expansive. The nature of God is so big that you cannot pigeonhole him. You cannot lock him into one particular expression. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's so bad that uh, when, 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 when Moses said, I'm going to the most powerful man in the world. I'm going to the Pharaoh of Egypt and you want me to go on behalf of you? Who do I tell him you are? He's the Pharaoh. He's the king. He's the one that has all the power. He says, when you go to meet him, tell him I am sent you. He said, well, I am who? He said, I am that I am. In other words, whatever you need me to be, I have the capacity to be that. Let me just tell you something, you all. The God that you serve, the God that we ascribe devotion to, he is so powerful, he is so expansive that there are not enough words in the English dictionary to be able to give description to him. If we spent all day and all night and all week and all month and all year, we could not exhaust all of the attributes of who he is because he's that kind of God. Listen, you all, I don't have to go into the Bible about it, but you know for yourself the kind of God that he's been. Some of y'all that have lost your mother, he's been a mother for the motherless. Some of y'all that have lost your husband, he's been a husband to the, to the widow. For those that have lost a child, he's been a comforter for the brokenhearted. For those that have lost income, he's been a provider in a a weary land. Has anybody experienced him as Jehovah Rapha, a healer of your body? Listen, you all, God is so awesome and God is so expansive that he is all things that you need him to be. But I want to give you a rundown, if I could, just of a few. This is, not ex this is not expansive. This is not exhaustive. This is just a few of his attributes. He's infinite. 
<laughs> He's incomprehensible. That means when you say stuff, it needs to make sense to me. God needs to make sense to me. Well, you didn't got the wrong phrase because God will never make sense to you. As a matter of fact, he says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As a matter of fact, you had your five-year plan and God had a 10-year plan. You had your, I'm going to go this way and God says, no, 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 I want you to go the other way because God is always able to be someone you could never wrap your mind around. How many of y'all know when you, just when you thought you had figured God out, he came up the alley and through the back door <laughs> he's self-existent that means he does not need something to make him exist when I was a kid the biggest thing I had young people was where did God come from right God didn't come from anywhere because God did not need anything to make him he does not need anything to exist other than himself he's self-existent he's also self-sufficient he does not need anything to sustain him He's eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. That means that when time runs out, because time is a creation, and when time runs out, he's still God. He was God before time began, and he'll be God after time ends. He's eternal. He's immutable. You cannot dilute him, and you cannot change him. He's unchangeable. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. When I was ill several years ago in hospice, trying to figure out why God would allow that kind of thing to happen. There were many reasons for it. But one thing in particular God was preparing me for before I came to pastor you. Because you know, I had grown up in a theology that was off. I had grown up in a theology where I could command ye me, saith the Lord. That's what I was taught. That I could tell God what to do. And if I had a certain formula, that God would always act on that formula. If I do this, then God must do that. If I do this, then God must do that. And God had to tell me, as a matter of fact, I'm sick in my room. And I called for all the elders of the city. All the bishops had laid hands on me. I had a faith environment. I believed God. I said, God, why am I still getting sick? I believe you, I trust you, I have faith. And I've called for the leaders of the city to pray and lay hands on me. Why am I still sick? He said, because you think that your formula can heal you. You think that you can tell me what to do. He said, you don't realize that I'm sovereign. <laughs> that means I can do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and when I want to do it. Listen, uh, the closest thing I can get to you understanding sovereignty, young people, young people, children, children, is that uh, sometimes your parents say stuff to you, I don't have to explain to you why I want you to do what I want you to do, but because this is my house and I am the parent, take out the garbage. I don't care that why, I, I don't want to hear why. I'm sovereign. <laughs> God says, if you want to make your own world and then rule it, do it. If you want to create your own people and then give them breath, then do it. But until you can do that, realize that he is sovereign and submit to his sovereignty. He's omnipresent. He's all, he's everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But this is the word I want to focus on today. He's omnipotent. It comes from two words, two Latin words, omni meaning all, potent meaning power. He's all powerful. <laughs> and I don't know today whether or not any of you all believe that God is all powerful. But I came to let you know and declare in this place that there is nothing that God cannot do. Some of, some of us have been so beat up by life and some of us have become so disillusioned by religion. And we become so disillusioned by failure that we don't think that God is still able to do what he said he can do. I don't know what trick the devil has played. I don't know how many times the devil has come against you and made you think that God has lost his power and lost his edge. And if he was God, he would have got me out of that. And if he was God, he would have rescued me out of that. And if he was God, he would have protected me out of that. I came to let you know, I don't know how many darts the devil has thrown at you, but I came to let you know that God is still all powerful. He is still still omnipotent and he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything that you ask or believe now listen it may only be two people that's hearing me today that's gonna believe God but I need some people that have supernatural mountain moving I trust God kind of faith because some of y'all are in a situation that only God can get you out of you can play games if you want to you can act like you can finagle your way out if you want to but some of us are in circumstances that we need a miracle 
Come on, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but is there anybody here that needs a shown up miracle? If God don't do it, it won't be done. If God don't move it, it won't be moved. If God doesn't turn it around, it won't turn around. Is there anybody? I came to just remind you, <laughs> he's omnipotent. Merriam-Webster gives these definitions in the adjectival form. It means omnipotent is almighty, unlimited authority or influence. The noun expression of that, one who is almighty, one who has unlimited authority and influence. And I didn't like Merriam-Webster that much until Miriam decided to say in her second definition, his second definition, God. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know the religious background of Miriam Webster, but when Miriam Webster started de declaring what omnipotent was, one who is almighty, one who has unlimited authority, one who has influence, the next thing Miriam said was, oh, that's God. <laughs> if the dictionary got enough sense to know that it's God that has all power, then you need to know it's not your job, it's not your boss, it's not your doctor's report, it's not the global economy, but it is God who has all power. Not what you see, not what your circumstance says, but God. Tell somebody next to you, God is omnipotent. Tell somebody else that God is all powerful. Let me share some scriptures with you, Romans 1.20. Y'all with me today? Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. His handiworks. So men or people are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. He says, since the creation of the world, the unseen God, the invisible God, with all of his attributes and all of his very nature, and all of his power and all of his divine nature, he said he's made that invisible nature of the unseen God. I can't see you. He's made it intelligible and clearly discernible through the things that he's made. That means creation. <laughs> declares the glory of God. Listen, you all, people say, well, I don't believe that God created the earth. I don't believe that God created things. I think it was just a big bang. It happened. That would be equivalent to you saying, well, you know, I don't believe that man made a car. I believe that it just happened. All of a sudden, some bolts came together, and an engine came together, and pistons came together, and wheels came together, and a windshield came together, and a motor train came together, and an exhaust pipe came together, and boom, we got a car. If you know that it takes intelligent design to make a car, have you looked at the complexity of your crazy body? There must be a God somewhere to have made the human body with all of its complexities. Not only that, but the heavens themselves and the, the nature. And have y'all looked at the nature channel? God says creation declares his divinity. For although they knew God... <laughs> They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. He said that mankind and his and her wisdom, quote-unquote, decided to say that they knew more than God and therefore decided to make gods in their own image and in their own likeness so they could make a sense out of things that didn't make sense to them. And he says that, no, they knew better, but they've become fools. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Listen to this. Colossians 1 says, now... He is the exact, talking about Jesus, he is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Remember last week we talked about uh, the disciples, they said, uh, 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 show, us the, show us the Father and we won't say nothing else. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It says, Jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God. 
the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. Watch this now. For it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service intervention and in and for him. In other words, everything that we see and everything that is in the unseen that we don't see has been made by God. And it's been made by God, you all, for his own pleasure. And the Bible says not only that, dominions, rulers, authorities are also created by him. That means that they are subject to him. Whatever has been created by something is subject, subject to the thing that created it. And if rulers, that means, listen, that means presidents, that means prime ministers, that means leaders of corporations, that means your boss, it means that any leader has been created by God, any authorities, any dominions, any thrones, any kingdoms have been authorized by God, which means that God has power over everything. You better know something. If you have God, you've got the God that can control. Do you remember the song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Remember that? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Listen, y'all, you better realize that when you go to work and you think that your boss is going to do something to you that's going to mess your whole life up, he's got your boss in his hands. You hear me? When you go to the doctor and they say, well, you got cancer and it don't look like you don't get no better. He's got the doctors and the nurses in his Are you hearing me? When you go to the bank and you look at your bank account and this guy's he's got my financial lie in it when you look at your little bad kids and you know that you can't do nothing with him, he's got baby and baby girl in his hands god has the whole world in his hands don't you fret don't you get messed up over nothing you got god i feel like preaching today y'all i don't know i brought my amens with me i just did and he himself verse 17 and he himself existed before all things and in him all things are held together. <laughs> he also is the head of the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn among, from among the dead, so that he alone, he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place. I know my place. I'm the under-shepherd of the real shepherd. I, 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 I'm afraid of pastors who think that it's their church. I'm afraid of people and religious denominations that says, this is my church. This is not my church. This is God's church. And God is the one that holds it together. Listen, y'all, I know that we're in a post-Christian America. And I know that when the great resignation and pastors are leaving the pulpit and missionaries are leaving the mission field and Gen Z's are coming out of the church and they're not joining churches no more. I'm not dependent on on trends. I'm not dependent on statistics. God is the head of his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said the very authority of hell cannot prevail against the church. For the first time in our church's history we have had 666 and upside down crosses painted on all of our property. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? For 20 years, and prior to that, when I was at Chicago, shutting down drug houses, we never had any vandalism. But the moment we decided to say that we're gonna preach the gospel, in a post-Christian world, demons started rising up and said, we're going to start marking that property as a danger and a threat. We're going to put our emblem on it so that the devil will recognize that that's a target. But to God be the glory. That's the worst thing that they should have done. They should have not let me see that. They, they should have kept that from my eyes because that reminds me that we must be on the map. That reminds me that we must be a real threat. Ain't nobody going to write nothing. 
ain't nobody going to say Satan take care of that and we're not against Satan. To God be the glory. He is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He is the head of the church. <laughs> and I wish the demon would try to stop it. So, now we're going to transition. We all know the story of Joshua going into the promised land. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came what? Tumbling down. We love that, don't we? They walked around. Come on, you know the story. They walked around seven times. And then on the seventh time, what they do? They shouted. And the walls, what, fell down flat, it says. And they entered into the land that God had promised their ancestors. The land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land that has wells that you did not dig that you will drink from. Houses that you will live in that you did not build. And so now we see Joshua and the armies of God with the power of God moving into the promised land. The problem is this. <laughs> Many of us want the, want the promise, but don't realize that the promise entails a process. <laughs> we want to get into the promised land and think that it's all over. But when you get into the promised land, there's still some fighting to do. Some of y'all wanted to get married so bad, and the moment you got married, you said, oh, Jesus. It's some fighting I still got to do. Some of y'all wanted to have children, and what a bundle of joy they were until you said, oh, Jesus, come on now. Some of y'all joined the church. Oh, I love my church. And you got under the hood and said, oh, Jesus, I'm under the hood. Bottom line, for every blessing and for everything that we enter into that is a blessing from God, it also entails a process to have its completion manifested. So don't be weary and don't be upset and don't think that now that you got to fight for some stuff that God promised you that maybe the promise wasn't real because if it was real, why I got to fight so hard? <laughs> but the Bible says that now they've entered into the promised land, but now they've got to fight. So there's several campaigns, and there's a, this will be a map up there. Uh, you'll see an arrow that goes straight. That's when they first went in. The arrow that goes straight to the left, that's when they first went into Jerusalem. But now we find this second arrow that's going down. There were three campaigns. There are three fights. There are three levels of battle that Joshua had to go through to fully occupy the promise. And listen, you all, I don't know. I'm not, I, there's, there's, no, there's no number. I'm not saying that there's a, a magical number three or two. I'm not saying that there's a number. But I will say this, that for everything that God has promised you and me, when we enter into the promise, there are conquests that we must still overcome. There are battles that you still have to face. And listen, God will fight some of them, but some of them you got to fight. You hear me? That is why I want you to be trained and equipped. That is why I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the word of the living God. That is why I don't want you to be dependent upon me or dependent upon clergy to be your God. Because when you need to have an answer, you can't call a clergy in the middle of the night. You need to have a verse in your spirit. You, you, can't, you can't always reach out to your best friend and depend on them to answer your, your call because they may be busy. How many of y'all know you called some folk and they were not able to answer your call? But listen, there's never been a time that you've been able to call on the name of the Lord and he's not been able to respond. But you got to know how to fight. You got to know how to fight. And some of y'all have gotten weary. And you've gotten tired of the fight. And I came to let you know I know it's tiring. And I know it's difficult to have to have one battle after another battle. You just came out of a battle, now you're in another one. And some of y'all think that, where is God? If God is so good, why won't he just give me the promised land? How many of y'all know when you're given stuff, you don't always respect it and treat it the way you do when you earn it? When you give us something for free, you don't have the same respect that you have of something you can work for. That, and now listen, I'm not talking about every renter. I'm not talking about every renter. But sometimes renters and homeowners are a little different. Because a homeowner's like, hey, <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> you know, don't be putting that down, you know what I'm saying? Because it's my house, right? 
if somebody drops on the front yard of a rental property, you're like, ah, maybe they get it, maybe they won't. Bottom line is this, you all. You need to know that the fight that you're in is not because God is not sovereign. It's not because God is not for you. It's because every time the promise is given, there also is a process that follows it. So now in this scripture, you all, we find Joshua entering into this second campaign. He now finds himself, you all, getting ready to enter into battle. So look at Joshua chapter 10. I want to spend the rest of the time and I'm done. This is it. Joshua 10. Verse 1. The New Living Translation. Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. Now remember, Jerusalem has not been conquered yet. Jerusalem is in the promised land. And by the way, this is just a note. For all the others trying to understand the whole Israel Jewish thing, it kind of go back for some of them to this. Just a thought. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm just telling you that's how some Jews think. Jerusalem, um, holy city, city of David, <laughs> promised land for the children of. And let me just say this, by the way. Can I, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna. Oh God, Harvey, can you do this? <clears throat> yeah. In the Bible, can I tell you who God says his chosen people are? In the Bible, is there any Bible readers here? Okay. Who in the Bible does God call? Listen, I don't know. Listen, I don't know why. What did I say he was? He's sovereign. I wouldn't call. I, would, I, would, I might want to call Africans his chosen people. I might want to call folk from the east side. His chosen people. You know what I'm saying? Forget the west side. We, east side. Is the, if I had a preference, right? But, but I'm, I'm not talking about what you said. In the Bible, I want you all to tell me, who are the chosen people of God in the Bible? He says, you are my people. Who, who are those people? Yeah, the Jews. And, and, and guess, guess what Jesus was when he came to the earth? Yeah. So, so listen, and I'm not right, writing or wronging behavior. Don't nobody, don't nobody take this clip. And isolate this clip out of context. I'm not saying that they should be killing everybody. I'm not saying none of that. I'm just helping you understand how some people believe that the Jewish people are the chosen people of God and they got a land that's God's land that's promised to them. In this verse, we see Joshua entering to the promised land and one of those cities in the promised land is Jerusalem. Okay, all right. Y'all find it to me. Y'all should see y'all faces like, this is so political. I don't know if I should smile, laugh, not respond, because I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. So hey, just relax. <laughs> Seriously, take it down to thousand. The king of Jerusalem heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho. Remember, he, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Okay, so now the king of Jerusalem has found this out, and, and, and he says he also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. So as Joshua goes into the promised land, he captures one city, captures another, and now makes allies with one of the greatest military powers in that region. And the king of Jerusalem has become aware of this and is, is deeply concerned. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai. And the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings. He said, okay, if he's going to get an allegiance with Gibeon, I'm going to get an allegiance with my friends. So he calls other kings, uh, Hoam of Hebron and Piram of Jarmuth and Japhia. That sounds like some black people's names of the kids. Uh, and Lachish. <laughs> What's her name? Lachish. <laughs> I'm sorry. And Debir of Eglon, all right? And he says, come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So are you following? Are you tracking what's happening? All right. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. All right. So Joshua has made an alliance or an, a, an agreement with Gibeon. And now the king of Jerusalem has got his friends together and they've mobilized and they've attacked the Gibeonites. Verse six, the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants. Now they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Come on, Joshua. I, I, you you got to help us out. Now they, they didn't gang up on us. Verse seven. So Joshua 
and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Is what he says. Now watch this. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them, and not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Listen, before the battle started, God told them how the battle was going to end. Let me tell you something. Before your battle started, God has already told you how the battle will end. And what's so crazy is you're in the middle of the battle thinking you're going to lose, and God then gave you a cheat sheet to let you know that victory already belongs to you. I told y'all about me and Batman. I love Batman as a kid. I'm talking about the Zonk Pow Batman. And every time Batman got in trouble, my heart started fluttering. Every time Batman was on a sawmill or in an hourglass and the sand was coming up to his nose, a shark was on his leg. Remember that one? And I'm saying, Mama, Batman go down. My mama kept cooking the greens. And she said, baby, Batman ain't going to die. I said, you heartless woman. You heartless woman. Batman is being attacked by a shark. It's hanging on his leg. And you got the nerve to sit in the kitchen and tell me that my hero, Batman, is, is not going to die. He's going to die. She said, baby, what's the name of the show? I said, Batman. She said, exactly. She said, I prophesy. She did. I prophesy that Batman is going to make it out of the situation. I had an attitude. I said, he's not going to make it. I don't think he's going to make it at all. I'm just going to go in there and sit there and just watch Batman be eaten up by a shark because my mama didn't have enough agreement in prayer with me to believe that God would deliver the man of God out of the situation. But I'm going to sit here and watch. And just as sure as you're born, Batman reached into his utility belt. Y'all don't know. He re it has some... Uh, shark repellent spray. I never seen nothing like that. He had a he had a spray in his utility belt. There was a shark repellent spray. Sprayed it on the shark. Shark got off. He got loose. The show went on, and it was another episode. Why? Because when you know the outcome. You aren't as nervous as people that don't know the outcome. So from then on, when all of my friends sat and watched TV with me and they were nervous, I was in chill mode because I realized Batman ain't going to ever lose. Guess what? I am in chill mode with you because no matter what is coming against you, no matter what the devil is doing against you, the Bible says in the end, you will win. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail above it not beneath. There's nothing that God will not do for you and you need to not be worried in the midst of your struggle and worried in the midst of your trial and worried in the midst of your storm. Why are you worried about the storm when Jesus is on the boat with you? Why are you worried about sinking when Jesus, the Lord of the winds and the Lord of the waves is on the boat with you? So he tells them, before you even get there, you got this. You will have victory over them. And none of them would be able to stand against you. I'm almost done. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and then took the Amorite armies by surprise. Because listen, sometimes to get the promise, you got to work all night. You got to walk all night. And Gilgal was a tough journey. I need y'all when you get some time because you need to study to show yourself approved and stop just listening to preachers preach. Look up and look at the terrain of Gilgal. Look at the terrain that he had to walk all night to get to where he had to get to fight. And I don't know who you are today and I don't know how long you've been walking and I don't know how treacherous the journey is and I don't know how many nights you've had to travail and I don't know how tired you are of the journey but he walked all night. He walked with the confidence that I'm walking but God got me. I'm walking but he promised me. I know it's all night. I can't see anything but I know what God told me is on the other side of my walking. I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight. I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight. I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight. And the Bible says he walked all night long and caught them by surprise. The Lord <laughs> threw them into a panic. And the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way to Ezekiah and Mekedah. Watch this now. As the Amorites retreated 
down the road. Now they're running now. The Amorites are on the run. The Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued <laughs> until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with their swords. Do you know that the Lord can do more with your enemies than you can with your enemies? Do you know that the Lord can fight your battles in a way that you never could fight a battle? The Bible says that when God got involved in the war, he sent down hailstones and the hailstones beat them so bad it killed more of them with God's judgment than it did by the sword of Joshua's army. Hmm. I thank God that there are times that God is working on my behalf. I, th I thank God that there's some wars that God is fighting that you cannot see. I thank God that there's some things that God is doing behind the scenes that you don't see. Sometimes you all, you want to see and you want to own the battle and you want to own the victory and you want to own it in the, in the arm of your own strength. But there's some things that God is doing that are beyond what you can see. And the things that he is doing are greater than anything that you could ever do on your own. It says the Lord killed more of them than he ever did. And on the day the Lord gave, on that day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. This is what he did. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people. I'm done. This is it. He wanted to make sure that every enemy had been killed and the sun was going down. And he realized it was going to be harder to fight at night than it was in the daytime. And he realized that God was with him. And God had promised them some things. So in the company, listen, of everybody, he begins to pray a prayer in 13 words that is one of the most powerful prayers ever uttered in all the Bible. And you better hear me now. Because some of us, watch this now, we will believe God, but we won't believe God in public. Because if God doesn't do it, we don't want to look like a fool. So we rather not believe God and own up to our own ability and our own uh, ability to execute and not see the miracle power of God because we will never want the people to say, I thought you said God was going to do that. Citadel, hear me. God has given me several words from him for you. From him. Some of y'all don't believe that. Oh. God has given me several words from him for you. One of them this year is that 1,000 people would get to be saved this year. Now, hold on. Hold on before you clap. Because the salvation is not from my preaching and from, my, from this. It's from you. But, but you are so insecure in yourself that you don't even have enough courage to believe God for your own child's salvation. You don't even have enough faith to believe that your baby, who is far from God, would not say, I need Jesus. You're not responsible for their response. You are responsible for what you share with them. You will be held accountable for what you do not say to people that are far from God. Hear me well. Because this is about your household. This is about your loved ones. This is about your friends. God is waiting for you to have enough courage to trust him. Hear me. When I came to the city, I did not know anybody. Didn't have a church. There was no faith city there. There was no nothing. But I believe God. And that's why you're sitting in the chair that you're sitting now. Because God is able to move and act on faith. We cannot be faith citadel without faith citadel. What do you believe in, what do you believe in God for that's bigger than what you could do? Because can I tell you something? Watch this, watch this. If everything you're asking God to do is actually within the realm of what you can do, it reveals what you think about God. If everything that you're asking God to do 
is actually something within your capacity to do. You're just asking him to co-sign it. It says that you don't believe that God has all power. Because I'm talking about, I need to see cancer healed. I, I need to see financial situations changed in a week. I need to see debt canceled supernaturally. I need to see my child delivered of this spirit that is on them. I need to believe God for something bigger than I could ever do so that God would know that I have faith and I'm walking by faith and not by my sensory abilities. What do you believe God to do? This is what he said. I'm done. This is my last close. You know, I close five times. <laughs> he prayed this prayer in the company of the people. Let the sun <laughs> stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajon. So guess what? The sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. This event is, is recorded in the book of Jashar. So just in case people don't think this is real, there's another account of this that's been written in, in history. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. He says there's never been a prayer like that or an answer to a prayer like that from that point forward. It's not because there's not been a need like that, but there's not been faith like that. That God heard a man. Saying to God, God, I got a lot to do. And I got so much to do that I don't have enough time for it to be night. So let the sun stand still till I'm done fighting your enemies. And God allowed the sun to stand still. <laughs> and it's never been done since. What is your sun stand still prayer? What is your prayer today, child of God, that is beyond your capacity or beyond your ability? This past month i have seen miracle after miracle after miracle but watch this now we've become so accustomed to the miracle of god that we will call it something other than what it is i got a call from a loved one who told me that the doctors came back and said that what they saw they didn't see anymore i'm so grateful uh nancy sells here and her husband was out of here almost. Do you hear me? He was out of here a lot of times almost. That's what's so crazy. It'd be different if it was just a one time he was out of here. He was almost out of here a lot. But God <laughs> stepped in and did the supernatural. And now he is thriving and living and building houses. And I'm like, I'm online watching him build. So I'm like, what is he doing? You know why? Because there were some people who said, I need to pray a sun, stand, still kind of prayer. And I need God to move a mountain. And God moved the mountain. Is there anybody here that has ever prayed that kind of prayer? And God moved it. God changed it. God fixed it. God healed it. God it's time to believe again. It's time to believe again. It's time to believe again. In Jesus' name, I'm done. It's time to believe again, church. Not hocus pocus, not commanding God to manipulate him like he's some fool. But as a child of God, it's time to believe God again. So as I get ready to pray, if you know you struggle with faith, then I need you to make your way to the altar. We're not going to do nothing fancy. I just need you to come and say, you know what, I want to acknowledge that I struggle with believing God. Maybe you're in need of a supernatural miracle right now. I'm talking about you need a show enough. If God don't do this, this won't be done. And I need you to not be so proud 
and so uppity that you won't make your way to the altar saying, I need a miracle. I need God to, if God don't do this, it will not be done. If God doesn't change this, it will not be changed. Then you make your way to the altar. What does the altar symbolize? It doesn't mean that there's something fancy about the altar. It just symbolizes God. You know what? I realize that I'm weak and you're strong. I realize that the enemy's been fighting me so much and I've been so weary and so tired. I don't know if I can even believe anymore. I need you to even increase me, increase me in the area of God of trust in you. I need you to move a mountain. I need you to do a miracle. I need you to make a way. He's the same God yesterday, today and forevermore. Maybe your prayer is not for you, but it's for somebody else. Maybe your prayer is for a nation. Maybe your prayer is for a country, a people group. It could be that level. Some of y'all say, man, who am I to pray for Palestine? Oh, you're a child of God is who you are. Who am I to believe God for a nation? You're a child of God is who you are. But believe God. Let's pray. Lord God, I come before you first of all repenting from my unbelief <laughs> Lord repent from my sometimes God double mindedness as I lead your people God I need to be a person who believes you and walks in faith and so I stand first of all God on my knees saying God forgive me for the moments that I've not trusted you God, I now pray for these, your people, online and in person who are here, God. So many of them at the altar saying, God, I, I need you to increase my faith. I need you to strengthen me so I can believe you again. Life has thrown so much at me. I've had a hard time trusting. But there are others, God, that say, I need a miracle. I need God to do a sun stand still kind of thing. God, would you do only what you can do? Whatever the mountain is, would you move it? Whatever the challenge is, God, would you give the ability, Lord God, to overcome it? Would you release the supernatural supply? Would you stay the hand of the enemy? Would you bind the strong man? Would you come against the curse, the demon, the spirit? Would you do only what you can do? So child of God at the altar, whatever it is that you know you're standing in need for, would you just begin to tell God, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I believe you. God, I, I believe you. Just in your own words, say, God, I believe that you're able to do it. I believe that you're able to move it. I believe that you're able. Would you, would you just talk to God? Talk to God. I don't know what to say. Just say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I trust you. And now, God, we thank you that you hear us. And just as you moved on that day with Joshua, you're not a respecter of persons. You do not love Joshua more than you love us. And so, God, I thank you that right now you're doing some miraculous things. You're moving some mountains, God. You're, you're opening up some doors, God. You're healing some bodies, God. You're, you're moving some stones away where dead things have been hidden. You're bringing life from death. You're bringing hope from despair. And so, Jesus, we give you praise in advance for what we know you will do. Child of God, faith called those things that be not like they already happened. So uh, every one of you that are standing here, every one of you that are seated, if you know that God is able to do what you're standing in belief for, would you begin to praise him in advance for what you know he is able and promised you to? Come on now. Praise him like you're actually seeing it. Praise him like you're actually seeing it. Praise him like you actually see it. Hallelujah. And God, I collectively pray that every person that's hearing me now will hear what you have said to this church. For people that are far from you that don't know you to be saved. Give us, God, the courage to go to our children, our loved ones, our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, and the gas station and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Do you want to know him? And watch you move. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what you're getting ready to do in this place. Would you bring revival in this place again, God? that we'll begin to see miracle after miracle and sign and wonder for your glory and for your name. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all that agree with it said amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on, give God praise. Come on, give him a praise that is thunderous and real. Praise him like you're already in it, like you already see it, like you already have it. Hallelujah. Find somebody next to you. Give him a high five. Say it's so good to see you. I believe God with you and return to your seat. Oh God, maybe you're listening, maybe you're watching online. 
I know you could not physically be here, but let me tell you, wherever you are online, God is able to see you right in your living room, right there at the computer. He sees you. He sees you standing. He sees you believing, and he's able to move that mountain. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know him. I wish I did. I don't know Christ. It, the Bible says you can know him. How do I know him? The Bible says whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be saved. And if you're here and you're far from Jesus, if you're here and don't know him, there's no, there's no shame. There's no guilt. We all have to be born again. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, we want to give you a chance to do that. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that simply spells c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time <laughs>